0: Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. I want to welcome all of you, and I want to welcome as well those who are online. It's good to have you joining us as well today. Um, Really want to get right into it today because I have a lot of ground to cover. I I told you uh, not too long ago that you needed to pray for me because I had a lot more notes than than usual. Well, it's time to pray again <laughs> all right um, because I have a lot more notes than usual but I'm um, really looking forward to this this is of course, when I say that it's like I've been anxious about this too um, because this isn't this isn't really typical this isn't what I the kind of sermon that I typically preach, so I'm kind of kind of going out uh, outside of my box with this one all right um, but like I said, I want to s- jump right in today. I want you to to look around uh, look around at you don't have to look at people, I guess because some of you get freaked out about that but <laughs> But uh, just look around and uh, you're, you're sitting this morning in a, in a pew, that's what we call it, I don't know why it's called a pew, um, it's kind of a strange name if you think about it, you're sitting in a pew, that pew is padded, amen, yes. <laughs> some of you are really glad about that, um, it's, a, it's a certain color. And uh, and if you look at the pew and you look at the carpet, I don't know what color it is. I'm colorblind. Um, it looks reddish. Is that right? All right. That's yay me. Um, so you're you're sitting in a, a reddish-looking pew. I look at the carpet. It looks gray. I'm I'm batting a thousand here. All right. Um, and, and they match, they, they match, uh, gray and red. I love gray and red. I love scarlet and gray. Yeah, right on, right on. Um, so we have some brick in here, and, and uh, you know, we have lighting. Some of the lighting's hanging from the ceiling. Some of uh, the lighting is against, against the walls. Uh, some of the lighting is accenting things like the cross, uh, the stage, center stage, uh, so that you all are kind of focused on what is going on, on the stage in the center, uh, you think, what in the world is he talking about? There's design to this, right? The, somebody, maybe more than one person, designed all of this, and if you go throughout churches, I've been in many, many, many churches. You go throughout churches, you'll find that there's design in all those churches. Now, some of those churches are not designed maybe as well. Um, I've been in churches with pews without padding, and those really ought to be called pews. It's <laughs> a good name for that for those because uh, they're uncomfortable. Um, sat in many of those pews. Uh, Some of the churches that I've been in, the the sound room or the sound board is not positioned very well. It's positioned in a place where they really can't hear what's going on on the stage. I actually went into one church where the sound room was another room, and it was walled off, and they had a little window to look out. And I thought, how in the world do they hear what's going on out in the sanctuary? I had no idea. You know, so some of the the places that we go into, you can tell have been designed and been designed well. Some of the places that you go into and you think, who, you know, what were they thinking? But I'm thankful this morning that whoever designed this was thinking about the people that were going to come and sit in these pews and pay attention to what was going on on the stage. Can you agree with me? Amen. Amen. All right. He's like, well, thank you for that. That was great. Um, you know, what, what are you talking about? So when there's much thought put into all the details, we're thankful. Right? We're thankful for that. Uh, we appreciate the designer or designers. We appreciate their effort and their knowledge and their expertise and their concern for who is going to to take part in these types of things. Now, I'm talking about how when things are present in life that are detailed and intricate and obviously designed, intelligent thinking tells us that there was a designer behind such things. Can we agree with that? Makes sense, doesn't it? It's just good common sense to to believe that. And so the more complex something is, Okay so the more complex a design the more we realize that there was a very intelligent designer okay so someone and I'm not I'm not downplaying the intelligence of someone who designed such a room as this because there's there's intelligence there but if you compare this to our soundboard okay we have a soundboard. It has all these slides on it, all these knobs, all these lights. There's so many little things to. And, and someone designed that board who had a really intelligent idea and, and way of thinking about how that board needed to be designed so that they could play with volumes and bring volumes up and down and pitches and all kinds of things that would help the uh, sound to be exactly the way that the sound should be. Now, there's a lot of intelligence that goes into something like that, right? Does that make sense? I'm going to say that, like, probably a lot today. Does that make sense? And when I say that, you guys say yes or no. That doesn't make any sense, all right? Because I want you to be honest with me. All right. So the more complex something is, the more we believe it had to come from a designer, an engineer, a technician, an architect, all right? Things with amazing detail that have chemical balance and physics and timing and structure and engineering cannot just randomly be thrown into a bucket and shaken and out pops a design that is beautiful and working and systematic. So if, if uh, I actually brought a, uh, an object lesson with me today. That's unusual. I don't do that a lot. I'm going to try to do that more, okay? I actually thought about bringing a big whiteboard up here and drawing stick figures. (laughs) Would you guys enjoy that? No? Okay. Some of you would. Some of you wouldn't. This is a pocket watch. You can see that. It's a pocket watch. This is my great-great-grandpa's pocket watch. Uh, Grandpa Charles Blackburn. Actually... I wasn't really named after him, but my dad was named after him. So we share the same name, Charles. But uh, Charles Blackburn was in the Civil War. He was actually in the Civil War. He, uh, he marched with General Sherman. So there is a ton of history with this watch, like a ton of history. Actually, the, the chain on this watch, uh, is, is uh, it has this medallion on it from the Grand Army of the Republic. Some of you know what that means. This is, there's so much history in this watch. Now, uh, let's just say, and I would never do this. I wouldn't harm this watch because this watch means so much to me. I don't know how much it's worth. I don't really care because it's worth a ton to me, like in, like in my heart, okay. But let's just say that I would uh, disassemble this watch into all the pieces parts, the casing, the hands, the face, All the little mechanisms, everything. I just took it all apart. And I I took all those little pieces, every little piece that is made up in this watch, and I put it in a shoebox. All right? And I took that shoebox, I put a lid on it, and I'm going to set it down. Uh, And I took that shoebox and I shook it. I shook that shoebox for 30 days. And I took took that shoebox and I shook it for 30 days and I took the lid off. Would uh, out pop a watch? Just parts, right? Okay. So what if I shook it for 300 days? I shook it for 300 days, take the lid off. Do I have a watch yet? Right. What if I shook it for, and I don't, there's no way I could do this, but what if I shook it for 30,000 days? Still no watch? right. Okay, let's say, because we're pretending here, okay? We're just pretending. Let's say that I took all those pieces, put it in a shoebox, put the lid on the shoebox, and I, and I shook this shoebox for 30 million years. I told you, we're just pretending, you know? I shook it for 30 million years, okay, all right? And, and follow me on this. I shook it for 30 million years, And I take the lid off and out pops a watch. Like I said, we're pretending, okay, because we know, we know that it wouldn't happen, but let's pretend that out pops the watch, okay. And someone would say, see, see, I told you that if you give it enough time, that it can happen. And I would say to them, where did the parts come from? Get me, you see where I'm going? yeah see there's this this great book um, and actually it's 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 on on the way I just ordered it. I think it's' arriving today at my house but i've I've read about it, I've heard about it I've been recommended uh, this book by a lot of people that uh, that I trust, um, and that book is called. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Right? I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And the gist of the book is that to, uh, to be an atheist, you have to believe a lot of disproven, nonsensical stuff happened to produce all that we know and see today. But there is an explanation of the existence of everything we see. And uh, in some circles, it's called intelligent design. And really, that's another way of saying God the creator. There's a great scripture that, uh, that probably most people know because it's the first scripture in the Bible, and I'm going to read it to you. from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Everything, right? He created it all. The the ensuing verses, if you go through Genesis 1, the ensuing verses declare what that meant for each day of the week of creation, and how each day of the week of creation, God created something different. We're actually going to kind of go there a little bit later as we get into this. So our word of God says that everything that was and is was created by God. God. Now, atheists, uh, they don't believe that. They, many of them believe that everything came from this primordial soup. And uh, what they believe is that, in other words, uh, the right mixture of everything needed in the atmosphere was uh, charged with an electrical source to produce amino acids And to produce the building blocks, proteins. And and so basically what they're saying is that all of this stuff just happened by chance. And what's interesting is this kind of thinking got into all of our teaching. (laughs) And into our museums. And into all of those places where they're trying to explain the existence of the universe. And so it's interesting because what is truth is that many scientists today say that that couldn't have happened. They they actually uh, say that there's no way that that type of atmosphere with those elements would have existed back in those days. And so many scientists, many respected scientists have proven that to be wrong, and yet it's never been really taken out of the thinking that we have today, which is interesting. Now those scientists, they don't really necessarily agree that it's intelligently designed, so they came up with another theory, and their theory is that those elements and those things needed actually came from outside the earth in meteors that landed on the earth. And, and you just keep going, and you keep, like, coming up with different theories and different ways of trying to figure this out and explain everything. And what happens is every time they come out with something new, a new theory, a new way of thinking about it, uh, other people say, no, that couldn't have happened. And so it's just theories that are being thrown out, and whatever sticks to the wall. There was a man by the name of Charles Darwin. You ever heard of him? Yeah. He theorized that there is no designer and all the intricacies of everything that we can observe came from adapting organisms changing with their environment. The problem with all these theories and the others like it is that these theories break down when, when uh, you begin to look at them and dissect them and you realize that they're loaded with false conclusions. Uh, many scientists have acknowledged such things as being proven false, but they refuse to refute it in our textbooks, in our classes, in our museums throughout the world. And so it's interesting when you, when you actually read someone who is a scientist who is very intelligent, very learned, and is in the profession, but they also believe an intelligent design. And they they begin to say, yeah, this is what's happening, Uh, and many scientists don't believe this stuff anymore, but you go to the college campuses, and the college campuses, these theories that many scientists have disproven are still being lauded as the thing, the truth. And it's really a head-scratcher. Although it's not, is it? Because there's there's something too when you start admitting that God created everything. Now there's a little bit more accountability. So entire books have been written about such things. We're not going to go there today. Uh, the reason being, I don't think you want to give me seventeen hours. Um, and, and I'm not a scientist. I would be out of my league if I tried to teach science. God didn't call me to teach science. So that, I'm not going there, all right? I'm not going there. But I have recommended some really good books. And at the bottom of your handout today, uh, it's also in the digital bulletin, there are some really good books that you can read if you want to dig into this stuff. And in some of these books like the case for creator book you better strap on your brain because <laughs> that book will challenge your thinking there's a lot to it there is a lot to it i i was reading it this week i you know I, i've had the book for a while i've read through it i was reading portions of it again this week and i was like i had to like take a break because i smoke was coming out my ears i mean literally i was not literally but it, it was it was really challenging my thinking But I do want to focus on uh, just a little bit today, the beauty, the beauty and the purpose of intelligent design. So, therefore, okay, therefore, we're not going to talk about the Big Bang. We're not going to talk about cosmology. We're not going to talk about the second law of thermodynamics. We're not going to talk about any of that stuff. We're not even going to talk about moral truth, which we could go there, too, to help us understand that God created everything, but we're not going to do that. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. Uh, We've already read this first verse, but we're going to read just a few others. Uh, Starting in verse 12, we're going to kind of pop around, but uh, I would suggest that you read the the whole chapter of Genesis 1 uh, as it it records the, the creation story, but in verse 11, Of Genesis 1, this is what it says. Um, It says, then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and it was so. Now, you see that, could you go back? you see that that phrase, according to their kinds? Okay, kind of mark that down in your head, all right? Kind of like, because you're going to see that. Over and over again, you're going to see that, according to their kinds, all right? So verse 12, verse 12 says, The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And we're going to jump to 21. Uh, 21 says, So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Jumping down now to 24. Then God said, "Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that crawl and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds." And it was so. And then verse 25, so God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Say that with me, according to their kinds. You know, when I read the Word of God, there's something that kind of jumps out at me. Uh, When God puts something in His Word, He puts it there for a reason. And it was almost like God knew when he inspired Moses to write these words. It was almost like God knew that there was going to be question about, hey, did this, did this kind transform into this kind? <laughs> it's almost like God knew that. I think he did. I think he already knew that. And so he had Moses write this. And as he had Moses write this, he, said, he had him write uh, again and again according to its kind. God created according to its kind. And I think that's pretty, pretty neat. I think it's very obvious that God, the great creator, the great designer, the great engineer, the great architect, however you want to like, uh, refer to him, I believe that it's pretty clear that he had a plan for each and everything that he created. Everything that he created. The, the universe is so incredibly fine-tuned. All of this fine-tuning assures the existence of our universe and the appearance of biological life. I want to say that again because I believe that's really an important part of what we're trying to uh, grasp today. All of this fine-tuning, this fine-tuning from God assures the existence of our universe and the appearance of biological life. Now, uh, basically what I'm saying there is and it's in your notes. It's in, it's in your handout. Our galaxy possesses a particular shape, size, mass, density, and location that allows life to emerge. Our solar system is also fine-tuned for the existence of life. Our sun's location in the galaxy, its size, its mass, and nature are perfectly life-permitting. Uh, Earth is also fine-tuned with a particular atmosphere, terrestrial crust, size, tilt, distance from the sun, and an existence of a moon that is also a perfect distance from the earth. All of these things are perfect. All of these things are perfectly designed to permit life. And if one of these things were not exactly the way that they are, it wouldn't permit life. Catastrophe would happen. Just a simple thing like the distance of the moon. If the moon was closer, then we would have tides that would cover land completely. It's really incredible when you start to think about it and dig into it. God designed this place perfectly. His intelligence designed everything perfectly to permit life on this planet. All of that allows life to emerge, so these, these layers of fine-tuning are explained in, in really only two possible ways. One is by chance. And when you investigate that way, when, when you investigate the idea of all of this happening by chance, uh, the improbability of all of that occurring by chance is an explanation that is possible it's possible but it's not reasonable, okay? It's not reasonable. The other is that there is a cosmic fine-tuner <laughs> who we know as God, and God has is, is fine-tuned this universe to a place, to a, to a position where it permits life, and his, his fingerprint, God's fingerprint is all over creation all over creation so let me give you one example of this this morning this is where I was going to draw a stick figure okay so those of you who want me to draw stick figures you can imagine me doing this those of you who don't uh you're you're safe but so I want to talk to you just a little bit about a giraffe you didn't expect that did you that wasn't what you thought I was going to say um Giraffes are huge, right? I mean, they're, they're huge. They're, they're massively tall, uh, average like, like 18 feet tall. And what makes them tall? Right, their neck. Their neck is huge. You know, you go up to like their chest and it's, they're already pretty tall because they have long legs. But then they have this massively long neck. And this neck is just huge. And so uh, when you think about the heart that a giraffe needs... To pump blood to its head, it needs a really big heart. Now, you can look this up. Uh, Seriously, you can look this up. You can Google it. A giraffe has like a two foot long heart. Like, the heart of a giraffe is like two feet long, like huge. Okay, there's a reason for that. It's got to pump blood a long ways. And so, it's pumping blood clear up the neck to, to its head. And so, Uh, The problem is the heart is so big and so powerful that when it bends its long neck to position its head to water, to drink, the powerful heart that it has uh, is pumping too much blood to its brain to handle. Okay? You understand that? makes sense. And so uh, that increase in blood pressure in its head is more than enough to burst the blood vessels in its brain and kill it automatically because it bends down and that heart is thrusting blood down to its head and it's enough to kill a giraffe right away. Valves in the arteries of the neck, though, this is where where we see God's design come into, into play, okay? Valves in the arteries of the neck begin to close when the giraffe starts to lower its head. As the giraffe gets its head lowered, the blood from its heart is shunted under the brain, into a group of vessels similar to a sponge. This is unique to the giraffe. Other animals don't have this, okay? This is the design of a giraffe. The giraffe is designed this way so that when it lowers its head to get a drink, it won't die. It seems simple, but it's this beautiful design, this complex design, okay? The brain of the giraffe is preserved as the powerful surge of blood gently expands this sponge beneath it. This amazing, this, this is amazing, but there, there's even more to it, okay? So think about this. Uh, so this sponge is preventing much of the blood from entering the brain. So, so the brain doesn't have a, a whole lot of blood. It has enough, but it doesn't have a whole lot of blood as the, as the giraffe is bending down to, to get the water. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been laying on the couch and got up too quickly? All of us have, right? What happens? You're like, oh, you get lightheaded, right? You get a little lightheaded. That's happened to me, I know. So this giraffe with the very little blood in its brain is, is bending low to get a drink And it's like he gets up from the couch, okay? So what would easily happen with the giraffe if there wasn't contingencies built in is that here comes a lion, you know, he hears a lion roar, and he lifts his head and he passes out. Right? But no, that's not how God designed the giraffe, It raises its head quickly, but instead of passing out because of the restricted blood flow, the arterial valves open, the sponge squeezes its oxygenated blood into the brain, the veins open going down the neck containing valves which close to help level out the blood pressure quickly, and the giraffe is up and running without becoming lion lunch. Now, folks, that is design. That is design. Okay? There's no way for that to evolve. There is no way for that to evolve. And, and, and just to get just, just a tiny bit scientific, not even, I don't even understand this really well, but I've read this. <laughs> okay? Um, the That... Complex information that is used to create that body structure of the giraffe comes from DNA, which is information. And it's the giraffe's DNA is like a library full of information in its cells. And that information for that giraffe to be created in such a way to, pro- to produce this body structure of this giraffe had to be, uh, the, the sequence had to be a certain way in the DNA. It had to be bent a certain way. So that the DNA, the RNA, the amino acids, the the proteins, all of that came together to produce this body structure of this giraffe that was perfectly designed to be able to bend its head, take a drink, get up and run without passing out, without dying. That is design. That is design. I, and I would say, folks, that, that is God. That is God. If, if you watch a show on National Geographic and they're talking about a draft, they're not going to tell you that. They might tell you how a draft can do that and why it can do it, but they're not going to give credit to God. But I can sit and watch that show and say, thank you, Lord. God, you are so good. You are so amazing. All right. Let's take a look at a couple more scriptures. Uh, this one's from Genesis. just going to pick up the next verse and read uh, the next two verses. Um, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now he's not saying according to their kind. Now he's saying according to our likeness. They will rule over they, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in His own image; He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. It's, it's wonderful scripture, really. Uh, what I want to do is I want to take you to a scripture in the in the New Testament that talks about such things. This one's in First 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen, and. Uh, this scripture just, it, it thrills my heart when I read this scripture because now, you know, this, it was Moses, you know, writing those words in Genesis. Now we have the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the Corinthian church and and he says kind of like some of the same things. And uh, and I love what he says here. He says, not all flesh is the same flesh. Right? Yeah, amen. He's, he's, he's tackling that theory of... <laughs> That theory of evolution before it came into existence, uh, not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There is the splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Now, let me wrap this up. God cares about you so very much that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, this intelligent designer, this architect, designed you. He designed you. Isn't that neat? He knit you together in your mother's womb. He designed you. He designed all of the information in your DNA. He put all of that information of DNA within you. The information that he placed in your cells determines The uh, color of your hair, the color of your skin, the shape of your face, the distance of your eyes from one another, the color of your eyes. He informed your cells for your height. I wish he would have told mine to get a little higher. Um, uh, Your bone structure. He gave you your smell, your laugh, your smile, your personality. He, He gave you all of that in your DNA. He placed in you your living soul. And here's the greatest news with that information. Because of all of those things, God loves you. You are his creation. You have a a creator that loves you so much that he cares about the fine details of you. The the intricacies of of what makes you you. He cares about the details of your life. And so if he cares about the details of of the, the cells that are within your body that informed your body structure to make you who you are, don't you think then that he cares about all the details of your life as you're living your life in this world? You say, well, he doesn't really care about this or about that. He cares about all the details of your life all the details of your life you are the apex the zenith the best of everything he designed he has made you to abide with him he has created you to be with him forever god designed and created this vast universe with planets and stars and solar systems and sunsets and sunrises and oceans and mountains And every kind of bird and every kind of animal. But it was you, it was you that he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And as amazing as a draft may be, it was you that he specifically designed to be with him forever. It was you that he breathed the the breath of life in and gave a life-giving spirit, a soul that would be eternal. Now, it was because of you, that last verse that we read, it refers to that last Adam. Who was that last Adam? (laughs) Starts with J, ends with Jesus, right? (laughs) That last Adam is Jesus. And and he gave Jesus because, because he cares about you so much, because he loves you so much. Because he cares about every little detail in your life. And so if you think that you live outside of the care of God in in portions of your life, in parts of your life, I have news for you. God cares about all the details of your life. He cares about all of that because he, he designed you in detail. And so then as you live your life, all of the things that make your life your life, he cares about it. And so Jesus came because he knew that we needed a Savior. And in God's design, he designed it from the beginning so that we would be with him forever. And then if you stay in Genesis, you realize that sin came into the world and caused a separation of us and God. And so then God had a plan. God had a plan because he wanted to give not only that first Adam... And, and, and give life and, and begin humanity, but he wanted to give that last Adam, Jesus, so that humanity could be with him again forever. This is the intelligent designer, the creator of the universe that you are here today worshiping. This is the one who cares about every detail of your life. You see, believing in God as our designer and creator creates a purpose for our life. It gives us purpose. Knowing that we're created with a purpose for him helps us to see his love, experience his presence in our life, and look forward to all that he has promised for us for eternity. So I ask you a question. How do you feel this morning about being intelligently designed? Okay, some want to resist that because they know that if they embrace that, then it's time to reckon themselves with the Savior, reckon themselves with the Creator. Like all, all of a sudden, if I say that I believe that God created everything and he created me, now I have to figure out exactly what I'm going to do with that. So have you figured out what you're going to do with that? It should thrill your heart. Right? Because the alternative is if if He didn't create us and we are here by chance, then there's really no purpose in this life. We're going to die and that's it. That's the end, right? But when we begin to understand and believe and trust that He is the creator of everything, now we know that when we die, He has a plan for us. Death is the beginning. That starts with believing that he created everything, right? Amen. So believing that you're intelligently designed, it gives you purpose, but more than anything, it should give you a reason, a reason, a solid reason to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to wrap up today. I want to wrap up today by by talking to you a little bit, just just a couple minutes, about this this idea of revival. It's all over the news, all over the news, and and I love the fact that it is. We can read about it, and um, Jeanette went down there, and I've known a few others that have gone down there and experienced it. And it's real. It's real. God's doing something very real in people's lives. Yeah. And you say, well, why, why not here? Why not here? I want to tell you this morning that um, if, it, if, it, if it's not here, it's not because God doesn't want to do it here. If it's not here, I believe it's because people are unwilling for it to be here. So, I want to encourage you to begin to pray that God will revive us. Right here. Right here. It starts right here. And it has to start individually. It has to start, like... Don't don't get on your knees and and pray that God will revive Ruby or God will (laughs) revive Doug or, you know, get on your knees and pray that God will revive you. And if he does that and he does that in someone else who's praying that same thing and he does it in another person, all of a sudden we'll begin to see the Spirit of God move and do some things that we haven't seen for a while, maybe in our lifetime. But do we need it? Oh, we need it so bad. We need it so bad. What would our world be like if God got a hold of us? Changed us through and through. Made us into what he wants us to be. Amen. I believe that starts with acknowledging him for who he is. Our creator. Lord and our Savior, Amen. Pray with me, Lord God. As we as we bow before you, and and just really, um, we stand in awe of you, Lord, for many reasons. Um, we'd like to say that the biggest reason is because we see a giraffe and we begin to understand the design of a, of such a great animal what you did and how you did that. That's amazing. Or we could say a sunset or a sunrise. Or we could say the grandeur of the mountains or the the ocean. There's a lot of things that we could look at, Lord, and say that this is why we stand in awe of you. But, Lord, this morning, we just want to say that we stand in awe of you because we're amazed that the God of all the universe cared enough about us to come to this planet and live a life of free from sin and die a death on a cross, not because of his own sin, but because of ours, to pay our price so that we could be forgiven of our sins and be in a relationship with God. Thank you, Lord. That is what makes us stand in awe. We are, we're amazed, Lord, at your love. We're amazed at your amazing grace. It's, it's incredible, Lord, to think how much you love us. And Lord, this morning, as we've talked about your grand design, we just want to really focus on the fact that you loved us so much that you not only created us, Lord, but you made a way for us to be with you for all of eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all of this. And Lord, as we come before you tonight or th- this morning in this time of, of, of response, we just pray, Lord, that you will melt our heart, that you'll melt our heart, that you'll help us to realize, Lord, how much you love us, that we will be able to kneel before you and, and, and gladly, Lord, receive your forgiveness of our sins, receive you into our heart and life, maybe some of us just say how much more we want of you in our life, Lord, that we would come before you in, in surrender and submission. Just, Lord, surrendering our life to you and, and, and just saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to be everything that you want me to be. Revive me today. Revive my heart. Revive my mind. Change me into what you want me to be. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, do it today because there's no better day for it to happen. We we, we praise you, we bless you, we thank you, we adore you. And Lord, we look forward to what you will do within us and in our lives. In Jesus' name.